Hello and welcome to Give Yourself the Chat. I'm your host, Peter Lewis, and this is the show dedicated to discussing ideas and philosophies to help you live a life of high performance. So, hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Give Yourself the Chat podcast. I have a lady with me at the moment, Arna van Gogh, who is surviving on, I think, some like three hours sleep, having recently crewed for a Tony Robbins Unleash the Power virtual event, which we're going to dive into in a moment. So, I really do appreciate your time, Arna, being with me. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here, Peter. And I'm currently surviving on, I think it is three hours sleep. I might have had 10 over the entire four days sleep, 10 hours sleep over four days. But I still really wanted to come and talk to you because obviously after a Tony event, you're just so fired up. You're so passionate about everything in your life. I was like, I have to talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly appreciate it. And I know the listeners will as well. I mean, we'll, we'll dive into Tony Robbins' experience. But I remember many years ago doing Unleash the Power Within at the Excel Center here in London and the firewalk and everything. And you do, you come away You've got so many ideas and I can only imagine because I think you've crewed for Tony now three times, haven't you? So, yeah, this is um, I mean, you're kind of on the inside of it. So it must be even more energetic and knowing what's coming as well. So we'll pause the Tony thing here. I'm, I'm really curious to know on your sort of social media profile and everything, you, you talk about being Dutch and ease. What's the story there, Arna? <laughs> it's a good story. So as you'll have heard, my name is Arna van Gogh, and that is obviously a Dutch name because my father is Dutch, very blue-eyed, very pale, and my mother is Taiwanese. And growing up, I had a lot of issues with my identity because when I was in Taiwan growing up, I went to an American school, which gave me an American accent, which didn't help things. So I was a foreigner in Taiwan and I was a foreigner in Holland. And it seemed like everywhere I went, people really wanted to put me in a box. That's all they wanted to do. Where are you from? You know, you must be American. No, I'm yeah. not. Yeah. And, and so the, the phrase, the term, I guess, came out of a time in my life. I like to call it my quarter life breakthrough, where I, I was just like, you know what? Enough is enough. And I'm going to stop kind of taking on these personalities or even identities that people are throwing on me. And I'm just going to create my own version of it. And I can be unapologetic about it because I have a name for it. So you can't take it away from me now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, so by, by giving it a name and a sort of label, does that just, is that more for other people to, it's interesting. What, what is, what is in the, that language or that term that you, that you own that helps either yourself or others, would you say? I think it is a little bit for others in the sense that I can give them something to hold on to. Mm. Because if I just said, listen, I'm just me, you know, if, or if I tell them I'm Arna the Wonder Woman, they're going to go, yeah, thanks. That's cute. But okay. Whereas if I say I'm Dutch Chinese, they're like, oh, what's that? You know, where, where does that come from? And they actually become curious and they ask questions. And it gives me a great opportunity to explain to them and show them myself at my true self, you know, without, you know, being the timid princess like Taiwanese person that is a stereotype or the super straightforward and super tall and blonde Dutch girl, right? Because, you know, I remember my first ever job coming out of university when I graduated from Leeds you know, all the way back those many years ago, I got a job at a travel agency and they admitted to me in my first week, you know, when we saw your resume, we expected a tall blonde Dutch girl to walk through the door and we got you instead. And wow. so at the time, I didn't understand what that meant. And it took me some time to figure it out. And I think that's why I was like, you know what, I'm just called, I'm going to call myself Dutchanese. I'm going to call my company that because then that is kind of engraved and etched and people cannot kind of start try to take that away from me because they have a name for it. So they, they have no excuse 
to, you know, be ignorant to who it is that I am. Yeah. It's interesting. That's, I'm in my 50th year now. So my wife turned 50 this weekend. So I didn't have a, a Tony Robbins virtual event, but I'm absolutely exhausted having kept so many secrets and surprise Zoom parties and gatherings. So I, I've hit Monday now thinking, what? Well, so I'm really glad that the pair of us can kind of you know, keep our energy up. It's, um, <laughs> but, but, but as I approach my 50th year, you know, I, I still wrestle with this idea of, of identity and and also having the strength or the conviction to be myself because there's so many pressures to sort of fit ourselves in boxes or... So the fact that you had, did you describe it as your quarter life breakthrough? Breakthrough, yeah. yeah. So, but I think it's something that actually you can, can, it doesn't matter when it comes. I think the important thing is, is when you do identify that moment when you just say, do you know what? No, this, this is life on my terms. This is how I want to be known, Edison. And if you're not comfortable with it, then that's your problem. And so I think listeners to this, you know, don't worry if that hasn't happened to you yet. You know, it's, it's kind of happening to me. And part of this podcast is a, is a way for me to get my message out there and say, do you know what? You either like this or not, but this is what I want to talk about. So here it is, you know. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, there is so much fear and there is so much pressure. And I've been so privileged. Like, you know, there was a period after my quarter life breakthrough where I actually lived in four different countries on three continents in the space of two years. Wow. So Denmark, UK, Taiwan, Australia, all in the space of two years. And I needed to kind of go out there and, you know, be a foreigner and, you know, find out like how British I was because I became an adult in the UK. So I have a very special connection with England. And, you know, I always used to joke, oh, I'm 20% British because I love PG tips and, you know, (laughs) my favorite British meal is a Sunday roast. But does that really mean I'm British or does it just make me super fun and interesting because, you know, I decided to make the UK my home for so long Mm. and, and does it matter? Does it really matter? You know, and I, and I think that especially because I was in Yorkshire for so long, you know, they have a very strong sense of identity here. You know, I am a Yorkshire, they're Yorkshire first, English second, yes. or British second and English yeah. third, depending on who you're speaking to. And so I think there was always a part of me that really missed that. And so I was really kind of clawing for it until, yeah, you know, I, I was 25. I was in a relationship that I no longer loved. I was working a job that I absolutely loathed. It gave me so much anxiety just having to wake up in the morning to do my job. And, and I was like, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go out there and just see what the world has to offer because there's so much to offer when you open your eyes, when you allow opportunity to come, you actually see so much more. And I experience it in my business all the time. It's a funny story, actually. I wasn't going to crew Tony Robbins' virtual event. I'll be quite honest. I had a bit of a rough June because it was, you know, month three of the pandemic, we've been in lockdown. Yeah. I'm usually, you know, somewhere else once every four to six weeks. I'm, I'm in a European country. I'm traveling, going to see friends. And I had, hadn't been able to do that. So I kind of hit a bit of a low point. And I, I kind of went, who am I again? Like, what, what does it mean to run my business? What does it mean to be an online entrepreneur that serves other people to help them with their strategies and help them make more money and, you know, bag their first client and all of these things. So I didn't want to change. I didn't want to, you know, experience growth because I was just so comfortable kind of being my sad little self. And then, you know, so what I do for, for Tony, I am a logger and it's not a very nice name. Cue all the funny jokes about poo, but I type everything that they say on stage. Because they need to have a real-time log of what is happening, what is being said, and who goes off stage, who comes on stage, how far behind are we 
on different things and how, you know, are we on schedule, all of these things. And there's only a very small handful of people that do it really, really well because you do need some experience in it. And so I'd already done it twice before. And because I love automations and tech and understanding things organizationally, you know, I'm, I naturally gravitated to the role, of course. Yeah. And so I was actually asked personally to come and join the event and, and do the logging because they knew that, you know, I'd, I'd be on top of it. So I got to create an entirely new protocol, entirely new set of automations for this project process virtually so that the team, I think there were eight of us, you know, trying to handle all the different things that were coming at us all the time. And I felt alive again. And I was like, oh, so this is what I'm missing. You know, Tony comes on stage on day one and like, I start welling up a little bit because he's in this room and it's like this circular wall thing and you can see 5,000 people at the same time and there's 25,000 people that are attending so you know the screens keep switching and and these things and it was just so yeah it was so exciting there was just something electric in the air and he could tell you could tell the comment box could tell and it was actually an extremely wonderful event especially for people that wouldn't normally have access to do this because it's really expensive to fly to Miami on a, no, it wasn't a whim. It was quite planned last year. But we, I flew to Miami to, to, you know, serve with Tony Robbins, serve for Tony Robbins. And yeah, you know, that, that, that was a big commitment financially as well. And, and so we had people from 146 countries attending, you know, across all different time zones. And, and when you are part of something bigger than yourself, that's when you really start to realize like, okay, like, I have a space in this world. I was one of those 23,000 people mm. right, experiencing transformation. I matter. And I think when we grow up and we're told, you know, children are meant to be seen, not heard, mm. right? We're told you have to be a doctor or an engineer or, you know, a list of wonderful, wonderful yeah. jobs that you need to have. And we beat ourselves down because we didn't make that. Yeah. You know, I, I went to a prep school in Taiwan. It was very intense, very American. And I'm pretty sure that like a third of my class are doctors now. And that's what I grew up with. That's the comparison that my mom has when she goes to her, you know, events. And, and so that kind of pressure trickles down on you and pushes down. But if you take a different path, there is support out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I love being an entrepreneur so much. And that's why I love supporting entrepreneurs so much because I get to see people's transformation on that path. One of my first clients, he's doing so well now. He quit his job, his full-time job, you know, went full-time on his business and he had his first five figure month last month. And so, you know, transformation is possible. And I forgot that. I forgot that in June amidst all the drama <laughs> well that's it well that but that's a, that's a perfectly human thing and we've all felt during pandemic and as we record this we're still in pandemic or partial lift-off lockdown whatever it is it, it's in a really interesting phase as we're trying to move back to normality but i think that sort of your experience there of just checking back in with like-minded individuals 
feeling that there's support, but equally feeling that other people are equally finding it tough. And I think that's one of the, the great things. You don't have to be on a, a huge Tommy Robbins event to feel that. Because I know in your coaching that you want to, you know, you and I want to create that with groups going forward. But for those that people that are listening into this and, and didn't quite witness the, the Tony Robbins experience, it must have been the biggest Zoom call in history so far. I mean, it was just looked amazing. This this bank of of, of sort of you know, little thumbnails on video screens and, and Tony really in the mix of it. And having experienced Tony live, as I said, back in the Excel Center, I mean, that was amongst 5,000 people and just the energy in the room. But I can imagine that energy, I think we said off air, it was an even more intense and intimate experience, even though everyone's remote and they're not doing firewalks together, of course. But what was it about... Because I know you're a big fan of, of using technology and leveraging technology to help your clients and everything. What was it, even though it was technology, that made it such an intimate event? And, and I guess, how, how do we recreate that for the people that we work in on a much smaller scale? <laughs> That's a really great question. So I'll be honest, I think I'm, there's many ways that I'm still figuring it out. Because every single week, I am finding new software new website things. And, you know, I'm the kind of person, I'll try anything once. I remember when ManyChat first came out, I was like on it, like a car bonnet. And I was just like, yes, let's make a chatbot. It didn't go anywhere, but I knew how to do it. And Mm. because I did that so early on, so quickly, I actually in the last year have built like five or six chatbots for people, you know, on the side, because I enjoy doing it. And then I get paid to do it. And and it's cool. And so I think it's really about exploring what is right for you, what makes sense for you. Because, you know, in the Tony Robbins event, what happens, so this, this is a little bit of a Rubik's Cube, 23,000 people split into 75 rooms watching the main room. Yeah. That's kind of the, this, the pyramid structure. And, and so you're in a room with like 300 other people and the chat box is going crazy because everybody wants to have a little bit of say, right? And people are, you know, struggling because they can't, log in, they can't log back in, they can't hear the sound or whatever. And I think it's about, you know, taking a step back and saying, what is it that I really need? Mm. Do I really need zero in my business? Because it costs me, I don't know, 15 pounds a month. What is my turnover? It doesn't make sense right now. You know, can I just stick to Stripe? And and like, what can I automate? Like, so this is one of the biggest things that I find a lot of people waste so much time in, in decision. I really struggle with that concept because I've set my life up so that I don't have to decide anything if I don't want to. I know what I'm eating for dinner tonight. I know Mm. what I'm eating for dinner for the rest of the week. All the food's already in the fridge. I don't have to go to the shop anymore. I know what I'm posting on Facebook today, Wednesday, Saturday, for the next two weeks. I know what I'm posting on Facebook because I know that normally (laughs) Monday mornings are a really good time for me to do content (laughs) because I'm refreshed from the weekend. You know, I'm fired up. Actually, I might, (laughs) might end up doing some content this morning. You know, I'm fired up because, you know, I had some time to think about what I wanted to say. And so I prepare that in advance in the way that is automation, because I know that I am at my best on a Monday morning. So instead of going on Wednesday, Oh God, I have to post something today. Oh God, I have to do this. And you spend, you waste so much time being afraid of what you have to do, thinking about what you should, should do that. Mm. It actually takes a lot of time and energy away from you. So in my automations coaching, you know, it actually starts very personal and away from technology. What is it that you want? What is it that you do well? When Mm. are you at your best? Mm. You know, I, I have an alter ego, Wonder Woman, Arna, 
she only comes out 20% of the time. And I don't need her to come out anymore because the rest of the time I'm preparing for when she does come out that she's her own fabulous self. Yeah. And that makes my life so much easier. It takes the pressure off of having to be perfect all the time because we're all human at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a really good point. So I want to unpack a few bits around automation and, and routine. It's like you, you know, on a, on a weekend, I schedule all my social media posts for the next week or so. In my business, I have time blocks. So this morning's time block is a podcast time block, piece like that. And I think this idea of once you've made a decision, you don't have to expend any more energy thinking about what do I need to decide upon. And, and I think when you get that joke, it really frees you up to be creative. It frees you up to be spontaneous. And the phrase, I don't know where I got it from, but routine actually sets you free. Oh, yeah. Routine sets you free. Now, and I do a lot of work in the video games industry and quite often, you know, working with creative types, they don't want necessarily sort of structures and routines in the studio because they have a sense of that's going to take away my creative expression. Well, so no, far from it. Automating all those things which really don't add to the creative expression means that actually you end up having more energy and more clarity around your creativity. So it, it sounds paradoxical, but actually setting systems up, having routines and timetables allows you then to dance in the moment far more. And I think that's not just entrepreneurs. I think that's everyone. It, it's, it's almost like once you've decided, for instance, your, your meal plans, you don't have to waste any more energy thinking about what you're going to have to eat. So therefore, you can put that energy into something more productive. That's as simple as it. I mean, so starting off with the outcome, the effect you want, because you can get seduced, can't you, by all these, these gadgets and whistles and bells. Yeah. And, you know, I see these business coaches with their, you must have these five apps. It's like, no, you must not. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you must only get what is worth what works for you. Like, if you have a really great VA, if you have a really great social media manager, don't pay for Canva. You don't need to. They'll do it for you. Yeah. So, you know, it really depends on, on, you know, your situation and where you are. And, and, you know, there's always room for scaling and growth as well. You know, this is a really random point. It just came to me. You know, one of my favorite CRMs is ActiveCampaign. Right. And, you know... You can go up the ranks, right? Like you can say, right, okay, I only have, you know, less than 500 people on my email list, so I don't have to pay as much. Like that kind of thought process we should be applying into our business lives and also our personal lives. I don't have kids. I can, you know, spend more time doing other things or I can kind of adopt somebody and like, you know, send them gifts all the time because I, I love doing that too. I, I, do, I do like kids, <laughs> I don't like them, <laughs> but I just don't, don't really want them. And, and so, you know, there are different ways that you can actually make your life more meaningful and more enjoyable because, you know, famously Mark Zuckerberg, he wears the same clothes to work every single day. It's a mm. black t-shirt and jeans. That's all he wears mm. because he doesn't have to worry about it. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't really think about what I was going to wear on this podcast. And, you know, as a woman, I'm stereotyped to have to think about that. But this is my Monday outfit, you know, hoodie and a shirt. Like, yeah. and I'm not going to worry about that because I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm comfortable with how I come across with my energy and, you know, with my personality and, and all the experience that I have to connect with you. Mm. And that's all we need. 
really. Yeah, no, totally agree, totally agree. So in your work, you help entrepreneurs and you help them sort of scale through technology and fine-tuning strategies and things like this. A lot of the listening community to this podcast are, are in business and they may not be entrepreneurs, but they're certainly in, in business there. What kind of patterns do you see that hold people back from you know, either scaling their business or just getting further on in their business. Do you see sort of patterns emerging with the, the, the work that you do? Absolutely. There's a couple. And one thing I'll say is people like comfort. Mm. And as our great friend Tony Robbins says, life happens outside your comfort zone. Mm. And so that's the way we've always done it. I, I hear that a lot especially when we're trying to kind of navigate new systems. It's like, oh, but this is too complicated. I don't want to do this because I've always done it this way and it's always worked fine. Yes, but that's also why you're not a six-figure coach because you're, you're using five-figure implementation. And there is that resistance to change that often can be challenging. And, and that is where a lot of mindset work is required, even in automation, to say, what can I let go of? Mm. Because I think, you know, especially in the last couple of years, we've seen the rise of the solopreneur, mm. right? One man bands, one woman show. And it's very easy to want to hold on to everything. And I, I see it even in myself. You know, I still write all of my own social media posts. Do I need to do that? Can I, you know, export that to somebody else to do you know, I, I love writing. So for me, it's like, no, I still really enjoy this. I still have time for this. I'm good with this. But it's about getting really, really honest with yourself about what it is that you're doing. The amount of times, especially women that say, oh, I'll just do this quickly. How yeah. many times a week do you say that? And how much time are you spending on, I'll just do this quickly? Because mm -hmm. I'll bet you anything, if you add it up, it amounts to two to three hours, which is a really amazing afternoon nap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a great payoff. That's a great. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's back to that deciding what it is that you can outsource, but equally deciding what, what, what is your swim lane. You know, so for instance, if you absolutely love writing, then why not own your social media posts? Because, you know, your truth and your voice comes out through that. But equally, there's a ton of other things you could do. And it's not a... It's not a sign of weakness to say I want somebody else to do that. It's just thinking about paving the way to perhaps do more writing exactly. or whatever it might be. And it's, it's an interesting one there. But that being honest with yourself, I think, really kind of resonates with me. It's, it's not that I can't do it. It's should I be doing it? And that's the, the challenge. So I guess there's that you use a Tony's term there about, you know, change happens outside your comfort zone. I think you've got to be willing to challenge and have a look at what is going on and it may be convenient to do it, but, but ultimately, does it serve you well? Does it serve your community well? And I guess, Anna, you've got to be the, you've got to be the example. If you're helping people scale their business, then you've kind of got to do it yourself anyway, haven't you? Oh, the amount of time I spend on inner work and the amount of money I spend on inner work <laughs> is kind of insane. I think in the, last, in the last 18 months, it's been something close to 60,000 US dollars. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I do it with so much pleasure. I really enjoy the process of going deeper within myself and how I can help my clients go deeper within themselves as well. But I want to I share a really interesting, hilarious story that happened to me last week. So you're going to be the first person to hear the story. It's going on my social media later this week. Fantastic. Exclusive, yes. <laughs> so I have 
my iPhone. I love my iPhone. I've had it for a couple of years now. It's an X. And I remember getting, I was like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing in the world. But last summer in June last year, I was on a family holiday in Croatia and I dropped the phone and a little crack appeared in the top corner. And I was like, oh my God, my phone's cracked. I have to be careful. I have to fix it. I'm like, oh God, how could I have been so stupid cracking my phone? Like I'm always so careful. It was the first time I've ever cracked my phone. You know, 30 years I'm alive. And I keep telling myself this story. And then another crack appears. And I'm like, oh God, you know. And then so now I've been putting it off because I'm very comfortable in the story about Anna, you're so stupid. You broke your phone. You know, the first time you have like a super cool phone and you break it. And last week I, I was staying at a friend's house and I said to her, oh, babe, will you just take a picture of my screen? Cause I want Apple to give me a quote on how much it's going to cost to fix my screen. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Finally, because I've finally decided I'm ready to let go of that narrative. Arna, you're so stupid. You broke your phone. Let's get you an actual phone you know, you're a business owner, get yourself together. And she was like, that's the screen protector. I was like, what do you mean? I don't have a screen protector. It's the screen. She's like, no, it's a screen protector. And then she slid her thumb under the screen protector. And I was like, you're tearing off my screen. And she pulled it off and it was a screen protector. So I've been walking around a year with a cracked, crumbling phone screen protector telling myself, that I was so stupid that I broke my phone screen. Mm. And I'm still learning the lessons from this. Number one, why am I not digging deep enough? Mm. How come I was so ready to buy into this story that I broke my phone screen? How come I was so hard on myself to say, you're such a terrible person, you broke your phone screen? Second, why did I punish myself for a year? Mm. A whole year, I punished myself. I could have gone to the Apple store at any time to change this, but why didn't I? And so asking these questions and kind of getting clear on, okay, well, what's funny is that this last year has been a lot about self-love and this message keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. And I think that this is something everybody needs to learn. You need to love yourself. You Mm. need to forgive yourself. And just fix it if you know that it's broken. It's okay to fix it. Mm. You know, you're, you're allowed to be whole. And yet there's just such a ease about being a victim, right? It's easy to, oh, like, I'm just going to suffer. You know, it's a very Taiwanese trait, actually. People love this whole self-sacrificing. And again, it's about acknowledging that. Okay, I am really prone to self-sacrifice. So if I'm dating someone... I need to make sure that I push my boundaries. I enforce my boundaries because I am prone to do that. So it's about being willing to play with those different aspects of yourself and just being aware from a third person kind of perspective. So Anna, there's, well, as ever, there's, there's plenty to unpack there. i really, I mean, even though the example of the phone, you know, you think oh, it's, it's a silly, but I think the, of what it represents is really powerful. And I resonate with that. As I said to you, part of doing this podcast is really for me to work through my own shit, to be quite frank with you. So I invite all these great guests on, but it gives me a chance to talk about and it brings out in me some of the things that I'm wrestling with because I think we all wrestle with these things, these 40 scripts that we run, the fact that we don't give ourselves enough love, not in a narcissistic way, in a way of just acceptance. We very easily accept 
other people's faults and we give them support, but we, we tend not to do that for ourselves. And one of the challenges I've had over the years is, is suffering with depression. And one of the scripts that I ran was, well, hang on, I'm, a, I'm an executive coach. I'm a life coach. I've studied all the, this inner work. This shouldn't be happening to me. And that denial of this shouldn't be happening to me was, it was a very message of, hey, all that stuff that you've been studying, now is the time to apply it to yourself because it's one thing to help others on theirs, but why aren't you helping yourself with this? And it took a while for me to really accept that I needed to do that. And, and, then, and hence this podcast is about just talking about that experience. And I think it's made me a better coach because actually it's not about the wise sage on the stage telling you how to fix your life. It's like, do you know what? I'm in this shit with you and I'm working through this with you. But the, the really cool thing is that we can share our experiences and help each other through this and it becomes a more powerful coaching experience. Mm. Really, I mean, I just, this it's one thing to do the inner work. I mean, you can read yourself into clarity, but ultimately you have to put this stuff into action, don't you? I had a sales call a couple months ago with a gentleman who wanted to read a thousand books and he thought that reading a thousand books would make him a great coach. And he was interested in having me coach him, but I couldn't get him to budge on this one thing. And that is one of my core values. I am there with you. I am with you in the trenches. I have been there. You are me two years ago. I am cool with that. Let's do this. And his unwillingness to see that, unwillingness to use his own experience bothered me. And I, mm. and I completely agree with you. We are better coaches because we have been there. We are better coaches because we have to ask ourselves the tough questions too. You know, it's incredible that you are doing this and that you are discovering a new side of yourself, you know, because that never ends and that's not going to end. This pandemic has given you this gift and you've taken this gift and freaking run with it. Yeah. And that's, that's incredible. That's more than, you know, 80, 90% of the people have done. So congratulations. Well, thank you, Anna. That's really kind of you to say. I, I really resonate though with your client with, I want to read a thousand books because one of the, the big realizations I've had during this pandemic is that often my life has been about events and finish lines. I've been athletic all my life and do triathlons and things like this, but it's always been a case of, right, finish that one. What's the next one? And I've treated my whole life like a series of events. So one of my challenges was I want to read a book a week because that was a, that was a finish line. And I've realized that that pursuit of a finish line or an event really puts pressure on you and you kind of miss life happening in between. And so I, what I'm working on right now is just, Let's not treat this as an event. Let's just treat this as just an ongoing perpetual process. And that, I don't think that's letting myself off. I think it's just trying to be present in the moment and just really work on what's here and right now rather than this, this pursuit of something that's always out in front of us and we never quite get. Mm. I love that because it kind, of, it kind of reminds me also of what I've been doing this weekend. Yeah. You know, every 45 minutes, put your books down. Stand up. If you've been to a Tony Robbins event, you know what to do. Get your ass up. Come on. Let's go. Cue the music, right? And I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't think we celebrate enough. We're, mm. we're not fun enough. Like, especially as coaches, we're so serious. <laughs> like, we're looking for the pattern. You know, we're yeah. like, oh, you have to do this. I should be doing, I should be doing that, yeah. right? And yeah. we just forget to have fun in the process. And, you know, this weekend I laughed so much. Like, honestly, Joseph McLennan III is so much funnier 
in the virtual space. And I was just literally, I was typing and just laughing at myself at the same time. I, I must have sounded like a crazy woman at three o'clock in the morning. And, and it's just like, why don't I laugh more? Why am I not, you know, using this wonderful tool of laughter? Because there's so many benefits to it. And I'm actually trying. So if anybody's interested, please, I'm going to share how I'm going to, you can get in touch with me. Let's start a laughing yoga club. You know, every morning, 8 a.m., 10 minutes, we just get online, we laugh and we leave. We don't have to talk or anything. We just laugh and leave. Because, you know, when you're engaging your diaphragm and all these things, it like boosts your immune level. It boosts your, like not cortisol, the other one, you know, mm. like it just makes you feel so much better. And, and I remember I, I did it for a little while and instead of feeling on average seven, I was feeling average nine during the day. And it's just so powerful. It's like, what can you do to create more joy in your life? What can you do to create more fun? And let's not be so serious all the time. <laughs> well, no, I think, I think you're right. There's this, this idea of you can create that. And I think we, we get so stuck in our heads that we, we lose that connection with our hearts and we lose that connection with just sort of being. And I, I like the, some of the esoteric and the, and the sort of the out there stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of scientific engineer grounded in, we shouldn't overlook all those things that add to the experience of, of how we bring the best of ourselves. And, and, and I think laughter and just, having fun is really important. And anyone that says, well, this is business, it's not about, you know, it's, we talk about social media, the, the posts that make me laugh the most are the ones on LinkedIn that say, this is not Facebook, we shouldn't be experiencing, you know, having this. I'm so seriously, what, you've never been to work and had, had a, shared a joke with coworkers? What's different about this? You know, yeah. why do we have to sort of segment the, that part of ourselves for work and only save that for a weekend or when we've got a party type of thing. How can you bring more of that and, and, and experience that particularly during pandemic when we want to, we have to work harder at accessing that because it's, it's, it's not so readily available if you're stuck in your home by yourself and, and sort of struggling with it. I just want to kind of start to, to finish off really, because I can speak to you all day, but I do know. I know. <laughs> so you talked about the, the Tony Robbins experience, but that and the, the sort of inner work that you're, you're doing and you invested heavily in, what, what have you either been reminded of or have learned relatively recently that kind of just helps? I'm going to leave it really quite wide frame. What, what have you been reminded of or have learned recently that just helps? Okay, so I'm going to have to like pick a direction, right? And I think, you know, everything that we've talked about so far, I would say, listen, come back and listen to this conversation again, because I know I will, because it was a wonderful conversation. And also, I'm struggling to pick one. So I'm going to pick one. I'm going to, I'm going to pick a lane. Pick, pick a, lane. a lane. If you want to try and sell Korean face masks online, pick that lane. Go for it. Give it a good go try different things. If one thing doesn't work, try something else. If another thing doesn't work, try something else. Really keep at it. And if you want to, you know, start an ice cream shop, do that, right? Stick with it. Because I think that one lesson that kind of keeps reappearing recently is like, don't just give up because it's hard. Mm. Like it's hard because it's about to get better. And so, you know, find a way in a really twisted way to enjoy this time and observe where it hurts in your body. You know, like you say, let's get a little bit woo woo about this. Like, where does it, where do you feel the pain in your body? Where do you feel the resistance? What does that look like to you? You know, what feelings come up and keep asking yourself why. So I don't think it's a secret that Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi are great friends. 
and their business partners as well. I think they've started like three companies together in the last year. Yeah. One of Dean's things, I'm not his biggest fan, but one thing that he has done is teach me the seven levels of why. I call it the seven depths and I have a worksheet on that. So if anybody wants it, it's free and I'll just send it to you. And then you ask yourself why. So for example, I'm sitting here. I don't want to work today. Why don't I want to work today? And every time you answer, ask yourself why. So you really get to the bottom of what is it that is happening with me? And you'll often find the answer is a completely polar opposite to what you thought it was. And that is the start of self-awareness. That is the start of understanding how you function and mm -hmm. ultimately the way to lead you into a automated life so you can actually enjoy it rather than fight with it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we've said it a couple of times, is, but that sort of change happens outside your comfort zone and it is uncomfortable sometimes to ask those questions. But to your point about picking a lane and keep going, you're going to hit bumps in the road but, you know, I think I picked this up from Tony is that the reason you're hitting a bump in the road and obstacle is that you have forward momentum. If you're sat still, you know, the chair is the chair. The moment you get up and walk towards it, it becomes an obstacle. But that's good. So you want you need to embrace those obstacles. But when you find them, ask yourself that sort of seven why or whatever it might be just to get down to root cause. And I think it's just being aware enough to do that and comfortable enough to deal with whatever shows up because that's the only way that you're going to, you're going to grow. And it's me looking at my own depression thinking about, okay, right. I've, that's stuff I've read. I've now got to do it, you know, or actually it might be a thousand books you want to read, but have you understood one book and gone deep with that several times? And I, I think just really a lot of what we're saying is here is that we can enjoy that process. It's part of that journey that we're on, but I think you, you have to go there. And I guess it links really quite nicely to give yourself the chat is that, you have to face up to these things. And so thank you for sharing that. As I said, Arne, we, we could talk all day. You've mentioned a couple of things, so a few resources, and you've given us a glimpse into your social media life. But if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yep. So Facebook is my jam. Feel free to add me as a friend. I haven't hit my friend limit yet. I did a, a clean out the other day. Otherwise, you can find me on Facebook. My page is being Dutchanese. My Instagram handle is the same, being Dutchanese as Dutch uh, knees. Yeah, I will probably send you the link to a couple of my resources, if that's okay, because then we can pop that in the show notes, as they say. And yeah, you guys can kind of enjoy that. But yeah, please do get in touch. You know, I do love talking to people above all. Not every conversation has to be a sales situation. I actually like getting to know people before I pitch. So, you know, let, let's have a conversation. Let's see what we can do for you. You know, even if you just in my kind of like ecosystem, you know, let's support each other. Let's make the world a better place together. Fantastic. And on that note, I think you have a, a well-deserved rest ahead of you after your intense weekend. Really appreciate you joining me today, Arno. It's been, a, it's been lovely chatting to you. Wish you well and uh, let's keep in touch. But thanks very much. Indeed. Thank you. So that's it for this episode of Give Yourself the Chat podcast. Thank you very much for listening in. I hope you've enjoyed today's guest. Uh, if you are yet to explore the previous episodes, then it's available on all major podcast platforms. And if you'd like to get in touch with me to discuss or recommend future guests or subjects you'd like me to explore, then please do so by heading over to peterlewiscoaching.com. Drop me a line. I'll be very happy to consider any ideas that you have. But in the meantime, thank you so much for your support of this podcast. And I look forward to seeing you on the next one.